a melancholy dance track. A Danish pop group's breakout song. And a poetic and heartbreaking global hit. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school, Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. All right, folks, another Themes and Variation coming at you here. And today we're talking about one-hit wonder songs. These are tracks that were so big that they became more of a phenomenon than they were a song. And joining me for this deep dive into some mega hits are, of course, my frequent co-host, Mahaya Lee, and vocalist, songwriter, and artist, Lena Farah. Lena releases her incredible music under the artist name Nahaley and has been described as a European Egyptian artist who has always been torn between cultures, continents, scientific curiosity, and artistic drive. Loves to add moments to songs that tickle your body. And I've actually had the pleasure of getting to know Lena a bit through our incredible Soundfly Slack community. So if you're unsure of you know, what additional things you get as a subscriber, you actually get access to this incredible community of artists. Our, our staff is there as well. You get tons of feedback and share what you're listening to, what's influencing your music, get a bunch of influences from other people. It's just a very vibrant uh, artistic community. And another thing that you can take advantage of as a subscriber is deep discounts on mentorship sessions. Lena had actually done a couple with Mejia on songwriting. I mean, Lena's an incredible artist in her own right, but just wanted to work a little bit more on, on some lyric writing. So she got paired with Mejia, worked on some incredible tracks that are now out in the world. So if you have a very specific musical goal in mind, or maybe even just a wide-ranging goal in mind, you want to work with somebody a little bit more hands-on, be sure to head to soundfly.com slash mentors to take a look at who you can work with at Soundfly. Now turning our attention back to today's episode, we get into all kinds of things like the unique lyrical approach to Blue Dabadi, the hauntingly beautiful voice of Kiyu Sakamoto, and we reflect on what made each of these tracks so huge. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, One Hit Wonder Songs. All right, folks, another themes and variation coming at you. Joining me, of course, is Mahaya Lee. Mahaya, how are you doing? I'm doing so well, Carter. How are you? That's great. I'm great. I don't have any <laughs> thoughts on the weather today cool. for you. Well, let's let's get into it because we have a fantastic guest for today's episode with a very fun theme. I'm very, very stoked to introduce incredible artist and songwriter, Lena Farah. Lena, how are you doing? I am great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. I mean, And you picked the theme, One Hit Wonder Songs. I'm, I'm so stoked. I think there's a stigma to the term, certainly one hit wonder. It almost oh, yeah. feels, but it feels, it feels more insulting than when you step back and look at it. It's like, dude, getting one hit is an unbelievably huge achievement. So that's incredible. And so many things have to happen. Your song has to be hitting at the exact right time and heard by the exact right people and the amount of luck goes in it, all that. It's incredible. It's very funny because I decided to pick this theme um, because uh, at first, I wasn't sure because it felt like it's a very judgy theme, and I I, <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable about it. But I just I told Mahia I recently uh, watched uh, a YouTube video with James Blunt performing mm -hmm. um, "Goodbye My Lover." To you, goodbye my lover. 
goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. I always like knew his songs and I knew him, but I was very neutral towards him. And then I checked his Instagram and it says, um, prove that one song is all you need. <laughs> and it was so weird because I would have never like thought of James Blunt as a one hit wonder. But then he like, like proudly <laughs> posted this That's in awesome. his profile. And yeah. that got me thinking about the meaning of like, what is it like to have this one song? Like, it doesn't mean that. All, all your other things are worthless. It just means that you have this one song that for some reason um, got more lucky than all the other songs. Totally. Than all your other I, babies. I love that. <laughs> I think the, can, the, only, uh, the only thing I think that's sad about it today, and I've been around these acts before, is when you get, you become like a legacy act and mm. you're, you know, maybe you, you wrote your song and you became, it was a hit when in your 20s and you're now 50 playing like, Not the big venues anymore, but you're still playing and, and you're out there, which is awesome casinos, and, and admirable. Maybe. But yeah, maybe casinos. <laughs> it happens a lot. Um, and then that's the song that everybody's there to hear. Right. Uh, and and like you keep like you, it feels like a, I don't know. It's just a little bit. Uh, that side of it, I think, is unfortunate. But unfortunate. But like, look, like you're able to <laughs> write one song. And basically retire if you wanted to <laughs> at that point. And like, that's incredible. So, yeah, good on you. Um, It probably is a little hard to, for sure. to outlive that to an extent, you know. Like I, when we did, um, I can't even remember what the theme was, but when I got to do All Star, which is the one of the most clever songs in the world, um, like I, I wouldn't call Smash Mouth a one-hit wonder even remotely. No, several right but i mean like yeah. they that song had the potential to be bigger like much bigger than they could overcome than any band could overcome you know it isn't totally insurmountable but it's hard to to get past that i'm sure your success <laughs> well i'm ready to listen to music mm -hmm. with you guys I'm, i'm excited to listen cool. to some music uh <laughs> i had you know i had a tough time paying well Well, you know what? Let's let's just get right into it. So here here's my pick uh, for the episode classic track. Here we go. Yo, listen up. Here's the story about a little guy that lives in a blue world, and all day and all night and everything he sees is just blue. Like him inside and outside Blew his house with a blue little window And a blue Corvette And everything is blue for him And himself and everybody around Cause he ain't got nobody to listen I'm blue Sweet. We are listening to Blue, oh, Dabba D. Dabba D is in the title, so I have is to make it? sure it's Blue, and then Dabba D is in parentheses <laughs> by uh, Italian pop sensations Eiffel 65. You know what's funny? I I used to mix up this song. Oh, this is the worst. And the Coldplay song, Yellow, which <laughs> sounds oh, nothing no. like this. It's a Uh, 
Um, I had a hard time picking a, a tune. Like uh, there, there are a lot to to pick from for sure. But you know, I thought about Weedus's, uh "Teenage Dirtbag," which I had totally forgot mm. about that song forever. I did think about um, Hit 'em Up Style, Blue Cantrell, but oh, long story short, I I actually played <laughs> yeah. for Blue Cantrell right out of college, so there are stories that I just don't want to get into on the podcast, <laughs> and uh, she's great and, and all that, and uh, so yeah, like and being able to play that song with her was like a weird experience, but um, especially right that's out a of college. <laughs> I got some quick, just very quick notes on uh, Blue from Eiffel 65. Interesting band name, of course. There's there's a little story behind it. A com- <laughs> this is so strange, but it says a computer chose the name Eiffel randomly from a group of words the three had selected. But the number 65 is my favorite part. The number 65 was added to it by mistake. Uh, one of the producers had written a phone number on a piece of paper and two digits of the of it ended up on the label copy for the band. So the graphic artist who received it just assumed oh. that 65 was part of the name. So they became Eiffel 65. They didn't go back and just That's say, like, no, we're so Eiffel. Weird. That's Eiffel so 65. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's so um, weird. I want to talk about the one-hit wonder nature of, of this song. Uh, it, it actually got off to a very tough start. Uh, they tested it live at a club in Italy. Like they just played it live and it cleared the dance floor. It did not do Whoa. very well on a first pass. They pressed a thousand LPs of the single and only sold like 200 of them. And so like all the band, like all these guys, they went off and started doing their own thing, started writing their own songs and totally forgot about this track. A DJ in Italy named Radio DJ, uh, DJ D E E J A Y, mm-hmm. got the record on April first, nineteen ninety nine. That's the day everybody remembers because when it <sighs> broke, the guys in the band thought it was an April Fool's <sighs> prank on them, and somebody was totally oh. just pranking them. Oh my gosh! But he played it, started getting tons of requests for it, <laughs> and then just pushed it, pushed it, pushed it out to uh, the masses. So dance music like this, I think, was becoming more and more commercially viable like you mm. had believe from share was a number uh, a, a number one hit from 99 live in la vida loca kind of you know number one hit that takes you back bills 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 <laughs> destiny child probably my favorite song on the list awesome track <laughs> The auto-tune on Believe actually influenced the vocal production on Blue from Eiffel 65. That it's a different sense. technique. They it was Because auto-tune was brand new. They didn't know what was being used on Believe at the time, but they worked to try to recreate that sound. What you're hearing on Blue is a harmonizer on a MIDI keyboard huh. uh, against Jeffrey J's vocals doing the same things. And you can hear there's little artifacts in it. It's not perfect. Yeah. It sounds awesome.
the lyrics, uh, really interesting little little tidbit from the lyrics. Uh, Massimo uh, suggested the Daba D in the lyrics to give the song more of an international appeal. Like it doesn't matter what language mm. you speak or where you're from, you can you'll just sing Daba D. Like it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It, it can mean whatever you want it to mean. And you know, internationally it worked. The song went number one in seventeen countries. Um, just a yeah, a, a worldwide sensation. Um, Lena, you talked about the music video. Yeah, got to talk about that. It's so crazy. <laughs> I rewatched it today, but it, though I just rewatched it, I feel like I, I don't even remember anything. But like, <laughs> yeah. because it's just so much. I don't know what to say. Like, I feel like, like, okay, so everyone like read the book we were supposed to read. Yeah, yeah, I, I read it, but I like. <laughs> Doesn't mean I, I don't it. know. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I just, I'm just rewatching it now. I realize there's a human being on stage, and I just totally yep. like, when did this happen? <laughs> Is there? It feels like like this. Like, did someone like draw, drive back in time and put a human in there? Like, I don't remember this yeah. guy. <laughs> Where did he come yeah. from? Yeah, <laughs> I think the plot is that like the lead singer Jeffrey J gets abducted, and then all of a sudden it gets sorry. He the way he describes it, he's like, I get frozen. And then I get taken to this planet and all of a sudden I'm singing in front of these blue aliens. And then the rest of Eiffel 65 have to try and rescue him. I really remember it way more like highly polished than what I'm seeing right now. Because like in this time it was like, whoa, like this is high tech. And now I see it and I'm so confused. (laughs) Didn't even give it a second thought when I saw it on much music. Like that's, that's cool. Like, yeah, Yeah. but like you can't. Yeah, no, it looks like something kids would make in a computer lab at school or something. Another thing that makes it to me a hit, you got to have a super singable chorus. You have to have a super singable chorus with a melody that will absolutely get buried in your head. So, of course, um, you know, but other than that, there's a part of the arrangement that I had totally forgotten about the B section of this track. I want to play for you guys. I have a blue house with a blue window. One of the guys in the group was saying it was too pop for the club and then it was too dance for the radio. It was right in the middle, which ended up being a very good thing for them because when people started to like it, it would be exactly it would be okay to, to dance to in the club. And, and then it'd also be something you'd request on the radio. That's blue. Do you guys have any other <laughs> thoughts on, on blue or Eiffel 65 before we move on? The first thought that when I checked Wikipedia, um, I, I I don't want to trust Wikipedia. Like it doesn't feel <laughs> sci- scientifically right to quote Wikipedia, but I'll just do it yeah, like, do for it this purpose. <laughs> and and um, it says, um, wait, where was it now? Uh, <laughs> Lubina, like the the Mauricio Lubina, I think it was the mm-hmm. um, one of the songwriters and I think producers. Um, um, created the melody for the song Blue on a Keyboard and asked vocalist Jeffrey J to come up with st- strange lyrics to accompany his piano riff. 
And when mm. I read this, I was a little bit like, I again, I'm not sure whether this is true or not, but I felt like I was a little bit sad because I always <laughs> felt like, oh my God, the song is so much deeper than people like give it credit for. And it talks about like this inner state of feeling blue, but at the same time, it has like the sad, but yet danceable melody. And I like always, when I thought about this song, when I like when got older, I kept like thinking that the success of the song has like is pushed by this inner deeper meaning of it and then i read this and i was like no don't destroy anything well that's such an awesome point lena thank thank you for bringing it up because uh, you're exactly right he wrote like three different versions of lyrics and he's like do you guys want to hear the the crazy ones first and of course they're like yeah let's hear the crazy one and he, I think he, he said, Jeffrey J says himself that like, I wanted to write something that you could project your own life onto. So if it's just like a color, it's something that no matter what's going on in your day or in your life or whatever, you can kind of project like, yeah, there, there is like kind of a melancholy vibe, of course, to the lyrics, but I think it's something that's, that's relatable, but that's such an awesome point. Thank you for, for bringing that up. Cause um yeah very very much yeah the lyrics were written nonsensically i think but yeah. also are a good vehicle that you know anybody can kind of um impose their own thing onto it uh let's get into uh let's get into our next selection for cool. the episode which i'm so excited to listen to so here we go hiya bobby hi ken you want to go for a ride sure ken jump in I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Imagination, life is your creation. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Lena, what? I mean, everybody knows what we're listening to, but what are we listening to? We're listening to Barbie Girl by Aqua. I think. Oh, how it, the, Aqua, is this how you say it in, in English? Yeah. yeah. Okay. First of all, like the same thing like we just talked about. I'm not sure this song would have worked like today. Mm. <laughs> Probably not because of yeah. many, many reasons. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, no matter how like... Uh, how do you say it? Like the lyrics are probably like not something people would like um, feel connected to today. And um, <laughs> maybe also not the song or the vibe or anything. But still, every time I hear the song, like my inner child, like jumps up and down. And yeah. I feel like I'm, I don't know, like 10 years old or whatever I was. And it's so <laughs> weird how the song creates this feeling. Like even now I saw Carter on the video, like he, put his, yeah. he puts his arms up. Like it's yeah. just, just like, like my friends and I, it, same with Blue. Like we were listening to Green Day and like a lot of rap and stuff and like Eminem at the time. But this song we'd like listen to and love listening to it. It was just because it, it's a wild track. Like it is, it was unlike anything I think I had ever heard. The dude, like the come on, Barty, let's go. Barty. The video, I've, I had no idea this was the case. His haircut in the video is the craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> the, the hairstyle. Hey, have you seen this? Of you remember this? I've seen it. But do you remember the, the cut though? It's like, it's like a bowl cut and it, but it's like super thin around the side. It's unbelievable. Like, oh man. <laughs> check it out, folks. You got to check it out. Lena, where would you like to begin? Because it's, uh, it's a fantastic choice. 
Oh my God, I have so many thoughts on that, but they're all not structured, <laughs> but I'll try my best. So first of all, as we were just talking about the video, the appearance of the group in the video is super rock. Like they could just be a punk mm -hmm. band. And then mm -hmm. they do this bubblegum, electro dance, pop music with lyrics that are fun for like the young people to appeal to, which is, I think, what today would be like the TikTok. <laughs> TikTokable, yeah. it would be very TikTokable. But at the same time, also older people can enjoy because it has this nostalgic theme and also has this um, this grown-upish in-between-the-line things that makes it more than just, okay, let's go party, hey Barbie, let's go party, um, with like the lyrics that are a bit cancel culture worthy yeah. today <laughs> i yeah, don't know how else to call it i like i have mixed feelings regarding can cancel culture especially when i hear songs like this like i enjoy them though i i know like i wouldn't be able to enjoy it if this would be a new song but then i hear it and i just dance around so um one of the things i i enjoyed when i read the lyrics again was that it was a legit storyline, <laughs> mm, mm -hmm. especially when you think of the 90s and like with Blue and other people like Mbop and you have like a lot of songs yeah. that don't really have a theme in the chorus. Right. Or a storyline in the chorus or not even maybe words like with Mbop. <laughs> you mean that doesn't have a profound meaning to you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it does have a storyline. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I think you could make the case for these lyrics being tongue in cheek because they're so yeah. over the top. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't want to say anti feminist, that's not what I'm saying, <laughs> but like, you know, like they're so misogynistic, I guess. Um, that doesn't feel like it's quite the word either. That it's like, uh, yeah, you could cover it in a way that takes it the other way and acts like it's all sarcastic. And that, yeah, I don't know. I even saw a live performance of them because I heard that they performed at the Eurovision Song Contest, like with yeah. Zafro Duo. And like <laughs> it started a bit like, oh, hey, Bari, do you want to come again for a ride? She was like, oh, can't go away, like something like that. <laughs> no chance for a ride. It's a well-written pop song. Like, I find the metaphors great, the dynamic between two people. Like, it's a duet. After that, there were a lot of dynamics like that, I feel, but I don't remember it so much from before. Mm. One of the artists I really enjoyed listening to because of that were Evanescence. Or even Linkin Park, though it wasn't, like, a guy and a girl, but still, like, you had this kind of dynamic of one person singing nicely and the other person being more rapping. like this rough rapper. It's a very nice dynamic. I don't know. I, I, I feel so bad. Yeah. I still feel bad for liking it, but... Yeah, that's <laughs> no. I mean, like the song, it's the sound of the '90s. There, there are a lot of different sounds of the '90s for sure. I hear grunge and rock, and then alt rock and things like that with everything I was listening to. But this too, like in pop and dance music, like this, and listening to the song, I immediately can picture the logo, the yeah. Aqua logo, and the album cover. I'm pretty sure my brother had this album. I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I think <laughs> yeah. it was the first album I bought. Myself. Oh, wow. 
We did a theme on just on that, Our and that's probably like that's probably my favorite favorite one. Your first album response, you ever bought yeah. was Aqua. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know the Spice Girls were they before the draft? I think I checked it, uh, but right I forgot. around the same. Right around, yeah, I think ninety seven was was Spice World. I can't believe I know this. Hopefully that's wrong, <laughs> but I think it was ninety seven. And this was this was ninety seven too. Actually, yeah. I think I I knew I loved music from forever and i remember that i was always sad that i wasn't a fan of something and i knew my mm. friends like the backstreet boys and they like the ah. kelly family i'm not sure they were famous in the u.s or in canada the kelly family do you know them no they were very very big in germany and and i always told my mom i want to be a fan i want to have like posters <laughs> of a band and stuff like that then i liked barbie girls so much like i wasn't an aqua fan but then it was like Oh, maybe I can buy a CD from this band. This can be like amazing. <laughs> my first. This will be my thing. Was this part of your fandom thing. and not being a fan? Did you feel like because your friends were already fans of those bands, you didn't want to like jump on the bandwagon? You wanted your own, but you wanted to be the first fan in your group of friends. Um, and that's what led you maybe to Aqua. <laughs> no, I. I <laughs> this this would like this would probably like make me look better, but no, it wasn't. It was really not like that. It was just that nothing. <laughs> spoke to me then. That's all. Oh, until, until, until Aqua came until into the picture. Until Barbie Girl hit and yeah. it was just like, oh so man. Funny. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't even know. I think I was just, now that I try <laughs> to remember incredible. how I felt, I think I was just curious and that's what got me to buy the album. They wrote a song like this. What else can there be? Like, what other themes did they talk about mm. or did they, did they try to make cool songs about? And, um, with the Backstreet Boys and the Kelly family, I wasn't so interested to discover them because they were so, like mm. everything was out there, like their stories, their posters, right. their music, so many singles, so many songs. And then the Spice, I don't, I don't even know what got, caught me then with the Spice Girls, but I think it was just this girl power thing that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, so the Spice Girls thing is interesting, right? Because in some ways it links back to like Barbie. Dolls are so <laughs> funny. But like, it, like there was this thing kind of like, you know, like, we all kind of, not we all, many of us, I don't know, Carter, maybe you're part of this too, identified with a Spice Girl more than the others. Yeah. You know, I did um, Ginger Spice. I, me I too. I identified with Ginger Spice. Me too. Um, so funny. But, but like, so that that's kind of a Barbie doll thing in some ways, right? So I think, like, yeah, the Spice Girls, in terms of just getting into them on a fandom, they're was so much culture feels like such a weird word to use there but there was so much culture to that fandom that they were intentionally building and like you're saying like aqua was a little bit more of a mystery like they didn't have this giant marketing team <laughs> doing for them what was being done for the spice girls and the backstreet boys where they're packaged in that way as individuals i would push back a little bit like the name video, one member like... of aqua <laughs> Well, no, but like the but to say that they Ginger weren't like spice. packaged and, and promoted. No, they were packaged like as a full were... band. But like yeah. the Spice Girls and uh, the Backstreet yeah, Boys really are, are marketed in a very specific way that is not unlike how Barbies yeah. are marketed to girls. Yeah, the Barbie thing, and this is so weird too. You know about the so the the lawsuit, right? Was basically yeah. Mattel <laughs> saying that they made Barbie seem like a like a sex pot, but Barbie dolls are based on a doll that was based on a comic book character who was essentially that it's all very weird <laughs> i did not i did not know, know that, that part it's a german doll and a german actually so you could probably pronounce it better than me but the the build lily doll build lily doll 
I don't know, but I guess she was based on a comic book character where, like, I think they even called her a floozy in the descriptions and stuff. So I guess that comes full circle for Mattel a little bit. I don't know. I have a very important question regarding this song. The guy's voice. (laughs) And, Lena, you talked about the dynamic between the two uh, artists and and within the group. Awesome. But the actual timbre of this guy's voice, and and prob- maybe it's pitched down or something like that. It's just it's wild to me, and I think that that mm. I, just your guys' thoughts. What are your guys' thoughts? And fun thing is that I had the same question in my head, but not regarding him, but regarding her, <laughs> like yeah. regarding her voice. I never questioned his voice, but I questioned her voice, and then I saw this performance that I earlier talked about from the Eurovisions, and I felt like it was live. And then I wondered, but is this like the way she sings? <laughs> like, can she just sing this way live? But with him, I didn't question it. Like, to me, it felt like just normal. And I didn't question her voice at all. Because I think that her voice fitting the actual theme of the song and like, like it's perfect for that. Like, that's probably, I don't know, if a Barbie was to sing, maybe that's what it would sound like. I didn't question the sound, but I questioned whether it was edited or whether this was just her voice. Or was, was that your, wasn't that your question regarding No, just like how, like that, the actual sound and timbre of his voice. Oh. Okay, it's because it's so it's such a wild choice i think to me i'm mm-hmm. saying wild so much today but like it's such <laughs> a unique choice to put that on a record like so different that maybe that helped it become a hit well i think he sounds like a cartoon villain <laughs> like that you know like he sounds very like oh get in my car <laughs> like a creepy yeah and she and the sounds... haircut the haircut is very and, exactly yeah. and she sounds like i think i think they both have affectations going on with their voices in this because they like it it feels like characters in a musical almost to me um, in a way that is kind of cool, you know, but, but yeah, she sounds like over the top childish and he sounds over the top creepy to me. And maybe that's why, like, I didn't know if this song was sincere or tongue in cheek. <laughs> I guess that, and, and Lena, you've touched on all of this, but like, what is it about this song that like broke through? I'm scared of repeating myself, but I, to me, I think it's first of all, the timing, but other than that, mm. that it appeals to so many different age groups. And certainly the like the actual structure of the song, the melody, again, I think that's obviously like, I, I show me any hit <laughs> or even like in the one hit category, like you're going to have a melody that the first time you hear the song, it's going to be stuck in your head. Like, yeah. absolutely. And then this song has that. You just hear it and you know right away what song this is well, like. And the voices and the silliness too, like. I think, oh, I'm, am I going to make this comparison? I hate myself for making this comparison. But I'm going to do it. It's like, it's like Bohemian Rhapsody oh or something, God. you know? But like, my but God. where there's those moments. <laughs> I know, I hate There's I so hate many different ways you could go. I know. I like, it's, it's probably I know. not going to be that bad. And then it was then absolutely it was like, like surpassed like What I think is probably like the greatest like, popular song of all time. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Barbie girl isn't but like you know where like there's there's something about those moments when it's like a really low voice and then a really high like it's fun to sing along with with your friends Mahaya, what uh, what do we have the pleasure of listening to? Okay, I'm going to attempt the proper pronunciation here, so just bear with me. <laughs> I guess I should say my ancestors should bear with me. We're listening to Uwe Omuite Aruko. The singer on this track is Kyo Sakamoto. 
Um, but it's better known by its westernized name, <laughs> Sukiyaki. <laughs> um, let me just start by saying, do you guys know what Sukiyaki is? It's a dish, right? It's like a... So Sukiyaki, yeah, it's in my memories from childhood, it's a communal cooking thing. But yeah, it's basically a hot pot type deal. So can I, can I ask you just to, to jump the gun on this? Lyrically... Does that title make any no. sense? So so somebody wow. just yeah, took that. Yeah. That's bad. And it gets worse because this is actually an incredibly somber song. It's so deep. It's so profound and it's so sad. I know like you have Japanese family, but do you know the lyrics? Or? <laughs> I wish. Uh, I had to look them up. I'm like fourth generation. So I, I've been, I keep not learning <laughs> how to speak Japanese, but I should. Um, but having done my research, I can say that the original title translates roughly to I look up as I walk. And the translation of the first two lines is probably like the most beautiful lyric ever. They roughly translate to I look up as I walk so the tears won't fall. Come on. Oh, wow. So what happened is <laughs> uh, uh, Louis Benjamin, or maybe Louis Benjamin, I'm not sure, of Pie Records in the UK heard the song while he was on a business trip, and he liked it. And so he had his label record a version of the song, but in order to make it more appealing to a westernized, to a western audience, he uh, wanted to give it a name they could pronounce. That would be catchy. So he literally picked his favorite food from Japan. Oh. And that's still what the song is known as. To, like, that's the official name in, um, in most databases. It's terrible. It's not even like... But I will say there are certain things that are good about what came of that. Um, an instrumental version was played by NASA in 1965, making oh, yeah. this one of the first pieces of music to ever go into space. Oh, That's wow. awesome. That's pretty extraordinary. <laughs> There's some weirdness. I, I, can't, I can't place. I know I'd heard it before, mm -hmm. but it's in so much TV so and much film. Stuff. And, and stuff, so many yeah. versions have been recorded. So why a one-hit wonder, Mejia? What's, uh, what's the story behind that? So it's a, it's a little bit of a tricky one. This is by no means his only successful song. Right. But this is an international hit, or it was an international hit in the 60s. It was on the top of the Billboard, I think it was the Hot 100 at that point, for three weeks in the U.S. He was actually the first Asian artist, I believe, to have that top spot. Nice. And I don't think anyone else got the number one until BTS, like, last year. It was also a top 10 in a few other countries, including Canada and Germany. While he recorded other songs and did all sorts of amazing things with his career, this is the one that kind of made its way around the globe. Um, do you want to know what it's about? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, because the title makes no sense. So I would like to know like what, what the words actually mean, not beef dish or whatever yeah you mean so i look up as i walk being the original I look up as i walk that's that's yeah that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful title by itself they should just call yeah, it, it that is. the lyricist for this song i'm gonna i should be able to say all these names totally fine <laughs> but um rokusuke ae mm -hmm. pretty sure that's right uh took inspiration from the sadness he felt while walking home from an unsuccessful protest against the continued US military presence in Japan and the signing of the Treaty of Mutual Cooperation and Security between the US and Japan. And just to contrast like blue for instance. Yeah, yeah I wrote like three different versions of lyrics. <laughs> like, do you guys want to hear like the craziest one? Yeah, it's blue. Everyone you know, with blue. And then this <laughs> This is so real, like, and that—that's the thing, like, that's so beautiful, like Japanese culture, 
it just like the the seriousness of art and like how like <laughs> art is so like held up on a on a pedestal really and like it true art really and it is all around us and everything like that like that that's beautiful well the interest again i go back too. though to like the to taking the like and like just totally ruining the title of the song is like so oh god yeah, yeah. is oh yeah that's not a good name change um when Ae and his writing partner Hachida Nakamura, I could say Nakamura because that last name is somewhere in my family line too. <laughs> um, but so when they actually went to write the song properly, um, they intentionally made the lyrics a little more generic so it could be interpreted as someone feeling sad about just like typical romantic heartbreak. It's still more beautiful than typical songs about heartbreak when you dig into it. But uh, some of the more successful covers have nothing like the lyrics have nothing to do with the original lyrics one of the more successful covers is by the group a taste of honey it's all because of you i'm feeling sad and so a little bit about sakamoto himself he recorded so many songs. Like I went, I went to listen to one of his albums, and there's like there's like ninety songs or something on wow. his record of hits. Wow. <laughs> um, but he did pass away very very young, so uh -huh. he managed to accomplish a lot. In 1979, he released Japan's first song in sign language. Oh. He threw a concert to help fund the Tokyo Paralympics. But yeah, just this one song made it all around the world the way that it did. I mean hauntingly beautiful voice like I, just incredible voice and the melody is so of course another one beautiful. that's going to instantly be stuck in your head the trade of 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 one hit wonders like, and again it, it seems like this is a kind of a unique one hit wonder like you said like yeah. one international but certainly still valid hits in in his native japan which is awesome well, and some of the covers have became hits. Like I'm yeah. pretty sure the "A Taste of Honey" version did hit number one for like a week. Dude, an unbelievable arrangement too, which I would put on mm -hmm. par with any of the like that era crooner kind of string arrangement stuff. Incredible arrangement. And that's his vibe for yeah. sure. Like he's got a little bit of a like Rat Pack Elvis type thing going on. I had a moment to listen to. The whistling. Cool. He crushes it with the nice. whistling here. So let's ha let's have a listen to that right now. Like who has that note whistling? And you didn't have. I don't know. Like it's crazy. Could you edit that? That in like in this sixties was it right? You were yeah. Did were you able to like <laughs> auto tune a melody? Splice it in. Oh man, like, I, I probably they might have. There might have been a little bit of trickery there, but I also I want I want to believe I want to believe that he performed it like, like guys that. Guys could I, whistle like that back then. Yeah. Like even um in like Mary Poppins and stuff yeah. like that. Like Dick Van Dyke had a strong whistle going <laughs> from what I can tell in those movies. I mean you can sit compact. <laughs> <laughs> but is it was it him like um the artist himself? I'm I'm scared of saying the now 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 they turn it I don't know if he did the whistling. That's a really good question. I'd like to believe yes. Um there's got to be a live, a live video. video. Yeah. There's a live video and I did watch it and now I don't remember if he whistles or not. 
Yeah. But the like the idea of the whistling being a part of the arrangement of the song is really interesting. You know, because it's just like that sort of not it's not even optimism. It's that like I can feel all this sadness mm-hmm. and still find a way to push forward and go on with life and know that there could be something positive somewhere in the distance, maybe. That's beautiful. Like yeah. that kind of whistling um really seems to fit the idea of looking up when you walk so the tears can't fall. Like that's <laughs> that's a lot to take in for me. <laughs> I have a question for both of you as artists. Now, this is, uh, we might, maybe we'll cut this part out, but we'll, I still want to ask. Would you want to be, like, knowing the a little bit now and doing the research on, on one-hit wonders a bit here, would you want yourselves to be a one-hit wonder? Hmm. So I think if I had the choice, no success or one-hit wonder, I'd take it. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't say no. But if I had, of course, the choice to, um, have like a more like not one song be super successful but all the other songs be semi-successful semi semi-successful a full catalog yeah yeah then yeah. i'd probably prefer that but i i don't know the dimensions of like i i'm not like like the thing is that 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 goes around again to the question if i had all the money in the world would <laughs> i like probably i would still make music but would it then matter to me as much that i can be sustainable if i can keep recording songs right and so if i had this one song that keeps feeding the others would my would my inner self still want to have the success though i wouldn't need the financials to keep going (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i still haven't answered this question for myself and that's why it's so hard to answer this one (laughs) it's a tough yeah (laughs) i think if i could be a one-hit wonder under a pseudonym Of some sort. Like if I had like a, a whole so, art like artist identity, I'm a hundred percent into it. That's kind of cheating the question because no, then you're is. like, I'm I my pseudonym is the one hit wonder and then I'm free to continue to that, do But that's what I'm saying that, though. <laughs> like 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 if like because there are so many artists who had characters even if it was partly their name or like Yeah. Like if Lady Gaga only ever had one song. Because that's some and then she went on and did the Tony Bennett thing and that was her career. Yeah. That would be interesting to me. Like, if you could have one thing hit that giant level and then still have a, maybe a much smaller career mm-hmm. without people just demanding that you play that one hit wonder every time you, like, step out to play in, like, a hotel lounge impossible. bar or whatever. That's impossible. So, yeah. I bet there's guys playing bars and lounges who are secretly associated with giant songs. That reminds me of one of the songs I was thinking of picking, and I... Uh, Rick... Oh, no, I forgot. I, I want to be... Were you gonna Rick do Astley. Rick Astley's yeah. Never Gonna Give what, what was Yeah, it? yeah. I forgot the name Never of... Gonna give Never Gonna yeah, Give You He has up. a great voice. Yeah, and I, I saw him, like, perform it, like, also this unplugged version once on YouTube, and I was like... I, like, a few years ago, it wasn't that long ago, I was like, oh, that's actually very touching uh-huh. and very nice. And he yeah. it, he looked like he was really into it and really enjoying it, and he didn't... F- it didn't feel like he was annoyed that he's playing this song. And he probably has a lot, like, I think he was probably known for other songs, but I just know him for this song. Yeah. And I feel like it probably depends on the song and the way you can, like, own it. And the way maybe also 
if you wrote it yourself or if you co-wrote it or mm. or what what got you to write the song maybe yep. that also matters that totally i agree with that I, it, it's it feels like it's the same thing as like if you're on a a sitcom that like maybe is like not particularly artistic but like you get known for Right. For that, your like, catchphrase, your, your Dave Coulier types yeah. or whatever. Dave Coulier <laughs> is a very funny comedian, but like he's going to be known for being Joe. Uh, what, Joey, the, Joey, like, the, right? The on, Beaver's yeah, voice, yeah, Fall, yeah, on Fall Uncle so, Joey. I I don't think there's anything like the the thing that I think the lesson to be learned is that it's completely out of your control, almost mm. really. Mm -hmm. Like like mm -hmm. that might be the thing that happens, and and I think that it's funny. Like every artist, maybe like maybe even the Beatles felt like that like when they, when they had their first hit which was God, i don't know like the hard days let, night, me or let me do what one of those old songs i don't listen to the old old beatles stuff but oh you're so cool I, not on. not because i don't even listen to the new stuff so much. i this is going to get into very dangerous territory if i keep talking <laughs> about the beatles. i love the beatles you don't great. listen to that mainstream beatles yeah stuff. yeah i'm like yeah, hardcore only. yeah um go ahead so but like i bet that Like every artist has the moment where it's like either we continue to have hit after hit after hit or we have one hit. And I think that either way, it's like, hey, man, it's all gravy. It's awesome. I know people that have had one hit and it's like they seem to have a pretty comfortable lifestyle uh, based off of that single hit. And that's awesome. And they're able to do whatever, whatever they want now. And maybe it's make more music and maybe it's not. But uh, um, it's probably harder to be the singer. Like to be the front person yes. when your face is associated with a music video most of the time or yeah. whatever, that could be hard to overcome. Yeah. But I think like if you were the bass player in the band, you could probably still have a career without that outshining sure. everything else. I, I guess what I'm saying though is like, well, if you're the bass player, you probably weren't making as much as the as a singer on the That's track. That's true. Anyway. So, but I, Unless you wrote I it. Guess, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's fine. It's cool to be... Like it, I don't think there's anything wrong. Like you don't have to try and overcome being a one-hit wonder. Like there's nothing wrong with being a one-hit wonder. It's like incredibly rare thing that uh, I think people should just be proud of and not shy away from that. But that's probably also you know. something like media-wise because I thought us thought about that when I was researching it. The fact that, for example, when I researched Aqua, Aqua and they had so many other songs that were also in the charts yeah. and that were successful and they're still touring, but people reduce it to, oh, they weren't as successful as this one song. That, so then all the yeah. other songs are presented as a failure, though they're absolutely not, because for anyone else who had all the success that yeah. they had without Barbie Gold, they would still be a very successful band. 100%. Absolutely. And I, the thing that bothers me about that is the per, everybody that writes, like music critics or whatever, like, well, they, they never reach the heights of this. It's like, of course not. Like, it was a phenomenon. Like, it's impossible <laughs> to do that. And it's like, what are you doing, music critic? Like, like that's insane. And, like, I, I don't know. And I, I'm mostly even speaking to myself as like a kid. It's like, yeah, dude, like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's incredible. Um, hey, sorry, I kind of took us on a tangent. Was there anything else you want to talk about? On uh, I, I hate saying the original title, but uh, Sukiyaki, yeah, <laughs> yes, thank you. Anything else before um, we wrap it up? I don't think so, but I would say, like, just as you go about your life and your television and movie viewing, <laughs> I I can almost guarantee that at some point in the next two years you will encounter the song again, and hopefully you'll know, like, it'll click, you know, because it's been in so much stuff. Yeah. It was featured in the Tokyo Olympics like, wow. not that long ago, right? Um, Man in the High Castle, obviously, would <laughs> use this song, and they did. Um, I just yeah. read that Avicii has sampled the whistle. Yep. 
Yep, Avicii sampled it in in his uh, posthumous album, right? Yeah. So yeah, this this song, I thought it was going to be a little bit obscure, but in reality, this might be one of the biggest hits of all time based on not just its Billboard performance, but also its um, longevity as a source of inspiration for so many other artists all Mm -hmm. over the world. And the fact Mm -hmm. that it's still taken so seriously, you have to take it seriously. It doesn't have the campy kitschiness of so many one-hit wonder songs. Right. It's sincerely beautiful. Do you think it would it would if it would come out today it would have the same effect? I think it's hard for a song with this sincerity to like in the TikTok world we live in. Yeah. Like maybe maybe if Adele did a cover, you know, but other than her, I can't think of a lot of artists who are allowed to like take themselves seriously in yeah. this way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who else could do a song like this today. Yeah. The- It's tough. That's yeah. tough. Um, oh, that made me sad that I can't answer. Yeah. I know, right? I'm like, Adele's oh the, is Adele the only musician who's allowed to take herself seriously? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Well, on that, I mean, that's fantastic <laughs> wow. discussion. Uh, Lena, you brought so much to this episode. Thank you so much Thank for you so being much part of it. Thank you so much for having me. I've been very excited. Of course. And, yeah, and I mean, you're a fantastic artist, songwriter, producer in your own right. Uh, and you're also a very valued member of the, the Soundfly community, of course. We Thank love you. just having you a part of uh, a Soundfly. So do you mind sharing with folks just to, like where people can hear your music and your socials, website, anything like that? Anything you want to share album. right now? The Any new album, of course. <laughs> uh, please uh, share anything you'd like. The floor is yours. Thank you for reminding me. I would have totally forgot to mention the album. Like I really need <laughs> yeah. some marketing training. So, <laughs> so my- good. Thank you so much. Um, my artist's name is Naheli, so N-A-H-E-L-I. And so everywhere on socials, I'm at Naheli Music, so on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to be on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, we like I just released a double album ca- called Chemistry and Reevaluation, and almost every song in my heart was co-written with Mahia, though it's not, <laughs> it's not an no. officially on paper. But I went like I was just the wall you bounced ideas <laughs> off. Of. I had like I I had to go through all the lyrics with Mahia because I'm not a native speaker, and I just wanted actually I just wanted someone to like. Just tell me, like, this is not the way you say it in English. But then we ended up, like, discussing, like, for half an hour. Oh, maybe this line should be, like, <laughs> it can or might or should but or must. Like, what, what is what is the, like, the word that fits this line? And yeah. How many made... ways can you interpret one syllable? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it made me so happy. And I don't even know how to write any other song without Mahia, like, looking over <laughs> it again. So, yeah. Thank... Well, I'm here if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was what I was, what I got so this excited about today because I'm always happy to hear her thoughts and uh, yeah that this is so nice but talk about you <laughs> okay uh, so I just released an album as Maya <laughs> mentioned <laughs> yeah thank you so much <laughs> and that's gonna do it for this episode of themes and variation thank you so much for listening we want to know your favorite one hit wonder song so as always there's a link to a Spotify community playlist in our show notes feel free to add your selections there. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for themes for an episode, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at soundfly.com. Of course, remember to check out soundfly.com for all of your music learning needs. And as a special treat, we're going to play this one out with the Nahaley, aka Lena Farah, track Symbiotic. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme. <laughs>